Welcome to the like, Destiny Podcast. What we were doing, and we'd kind of got to, we were talking about healing is part of the atonement, and, and why that's really important is because healing isn't like an added extra for good, good or super-duper Christians or those who, you know, just have a thing about healing. But actually, it's just always been part of God's plan, and it's always been a part of the, the types of, of uh, events that happened in the Old Testament, which were just foreshadowing the cross. So um, we had just read Psalm 103, and we'll just kind of go back to that just to recap before we go to Isaiah 53. So just to kind of get back to where we were. This is the Psalm of David. And, and even David, even with his old covenant understanding, um, his kind of revelation of God was such that when he said, forget not all his benefits, all his benefits included forgiveness of sin and healing of all your diseases. So it was, it was part of the, the benefit of, of God. So in the same way that um, David knew that God would forgive sin, he also knew that he would heal diseases. And then there's, um, Timo kind of spoke and it, it is something that we'll mention again, and of course we talked about it earlier in the week, is this whole thing of salvation is, is about sozo, and sozo is not just our sin is forgiven, it's the whole completeness. I mean, I think sozo is even more than forgiven, healed, delivered. It's also peace, and it's also prosperity. I mean, it's the real whole big deal about, um, about our salvation. So, so the point of that is, I think as Christians, we've kind of got healing wrong in that we've, we've thought it's a kind of bonus to our life rather than just a part and parcel of what God has done for us. So, um, so if we go to Isaiah 53, this is really important passage and, um, it is a description. Isaiah is prophesying about this servant who would come and bear sin. And we know it's a prophecy about Jesus. And there's loads and loads in it. I'm not going to go into all of it, but I mean, you can spend ages reading the end of chapter 52 and on to 53. And it talks about this servant who, you know, would not even be recognizable because uh, even his face and everything had changed about him and um, how it looked like God had completely rejected him and looked like it was all his sin that he was being punished for. And, and then there's this verse four, and um, it, it's one of those verses that has been really badly translated in this Bible, which is New King James, and um, in quite a number of other of our translations. And the reason I'm saying, uh, I mean, at least my Bible's got a little one and a little two there with a footnote to uh, lead you to a uh, a kind of note saying can also be translated. So I'm not just kind of making this up to make it fit in with what I'm saying. It's just the people who translated it chose in this passage to translate the word as they did. And in other passages in the, in the Old Testament, they, they translated exactly the same Hebrew word into another word. So I'll, I'll just talk about that, especially if I've written it down, which I might have done somewhere. Um, uh, so, um, we're in Isaiah 53, verse 4, and it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken. So what he's saying, he's borne our griefs and sorrows, but we think it's him that was bearing, you know, it looked like it was his own punishment. And it said, he was smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. So what, what Isaiah is saying, it looks like this man who was going to go and be punished for his sin um, uh, was being punished for, for something he'd done, but actually it was for our, our sin, our iniquities. It was for our lack of peace, uh, whatever you want to call that, our kind of anxiety, our being out of uh, peace. And it was for our healing as well. So we, we usually don't have a problem with the fact that he, 
he died for our sin because that's the gospel that we kind of understand. But it's just the same thing. He also t died for our healing. And, and it, it says, and by his stripes we are healed. And that's referring to the fact that he was beaten. So actually physically on his body, he took our sickness on his body physically. And it's kind of like we talked about the last time, the, you know, when the scapegoat actually bore the sin of the people and the goat went out of the camp and it actually was physically removed from the people. Well, it's that same thing. He, he, uh, he bore. So in, in verse four, it says, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now, these are the two words that are really not very well translated because the word for grief in um, Hebrew is this word "koli," C H O L I. C H O L I. Now, have you got the German? No. Right. Usually, the German translations, if you translate it to English for me, it, it has the correct word. So, this this uh, Hebrew word "C H O L I," "koli," which here is translated "griefs." Um, actually means sickness and disease. And um, so really it should read, surely he has borne our sickness. Um, and I'll, I'll just quickly run through it for you. Um, this same word, choli, choli, I don't know how you say it, um, has been used a number of times in the scriptures. And if you just want to make a list of them, you can. That's fine. It's Deuteronomy 7.15. And this is uh, part of the blessings of obedience. Okay. And it says, and the Lord will take away from you all sickness. Okay. And will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt. So it says, the Lord will take away from you all cholly, cholly. We'll call it cholly. That sounds more Hebrew, doesn't it? <laughs> more foreign. Okay. Um, you see what I'm saying? That same Hebrew word in Deuteronomy 7, it actually says sickness. Okay. Same for Deuteronomy 28 verse 61. Deuteronomy 28 verse 61. And this again is the curse and um, blessing chapter. And it says also every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of the law. So that is every trolley and every plague. So here it's translated sickness. 1 Kings 17. 17, 17. 1 Kings 17, 17. So this is Elijah and, um, you know, the, she, he is supported by a widow and the widow has a son. And um, then... This, uh, the son gets sick. And um, in verse 17, it says, Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick, Cholly, okay? And his sickness was so serious there was no breath left in him. I mean, there's no doubt this is talking about sickness, okay? It's not talking about grief as in the woman's sad about her son. It, he physically was, was sick, so... Um, 2 Kings 1 verse 2. 2 Kings 1 verse 2. So this is about um, Ahaziah, who's uh, one of the kings of Israel. It says, Now Ahaziah fell through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria and was injured. So he sent messages and said to them, Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Akron, whether I shall recover this injury. Okay, this trolley. So it's talking about a physical physical thing. 2 Kings 8. 8. 2 Kings 8, 8. Um... So this is the king of Syria was sick. And it says, the king said to Hazael, take a present in your hand and go meet 
the man of God and inquire of the Lord by him, saying, Shall I cover, recover from this cholly, this disease? So I'm just kind of laboring the point that it's really strange that all the way through the Old Testament, this Hebrew word is translated as sickness. But when it comes to the prophecy of, you know, the of Jesus in Isaiah 53, then um, it's translated grief in my translation in quite a lot of the others. Um, same for 2 Chronicles 16. Verse 12, uh, King Asa became diseased in his feet. And the same for 2 Chronicles 21, 2 Chronicles 21, 15. Um, this is relating to... Another of the kings, sorry, can't. It's a prophecy uh, from Elijah saying, you will become very sick with a disease of your intestines. You will become very... So the point is, that word, that these are the other times it's in the Old Testament. It's, it's obviously physical sickness and disease. And that is what Jesus bore, which for some reason is translated griefs in this instance. Uh, but I just, it's, he bore our sickness. And... Um, so, I don't know why they did that. In some of the translations, it, it actually does say sickness, but I think it's a bit of a shame that... Um, I, I just think it's part of the reason why we lost healing um, as, as the church, because things like this have just been not translated so well. Okay, the other word is, so it says, Surely he has borne our sickness and carried our sorrows, Okay. That word sorrows is the Greek, the Hebrew word makob. Um, and the other place that it, makob, M-A-K-O-B. And the other place that it is um, in the Old Testament is Job 33. It's only one other time. And verse 19. It says, man is also chastened with pain on his bed, with makob on his bed. And with strong pain in many of his bones. So it's all about pain. So really, Isaiah 53 would be better understood saying, Surely he has borne our sickness and carried our pain. And that's that image of that word bear is the same that the scapegoat bore. So the, the sickness and disease, the physical sickness and disease went onto Jesus' body and he bore it for us outside of the camp. Um, and that's what he did on the cross. So it's part of what he did on the cross. Isaiah 53 goes on to talk about it was, you know, he also dealt with our transgression. He also dealt with our iniquity. He also brought back peace for us. And by his stripes, we are healed. So um, it's, it's just really hard to get away from the fact that atonement, what Jesus did at the cross, also included our healing. And um, so... So that's really important kind of verses that you need to kind of look at and study if you're kind of interested in really persuading yourself about about healing. And loads of people will say it's spiritual. So Jesus, you know, they kind of say this healing that people talk about is only spiritual. And they will say that we don't get healed until we get our resurrected body. But, well, I don't buy that for several reasons. One for the reason we're going to look at in a bit, which is what Jesus said about this verse in the New Testament. And partly because we don't need healing once we've got a glorified body because we're not going to get sick. So it's like it, that, that argument doesn't really make any sense, but it's a very persuasive argument. There's whole loads of churches and people out there who will say, no, Jesus only died for our spiritual well-being and nothing to do with our physical. But, I mean, it's physical, and that's why he was beaten for our physical healing. Um, there's two references to this passage in the New Testament. So I think we can finish in the Old Testament and kind of shunt to the New Testament. And really interesting one is Matthew 8.
So uh, Matthew 8, um, verse 14, Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a fever and Jesus touched her and the fever left her. And then it says in verse 16, so Matthew 8, verse 16, it says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. And then it says, it explains, it gives you this kind of clue, and it says, that it might be fulfilled. Okay, and we know Jesus fulfilled loads. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled, he, he actually fulfilled the even the feasts of, of Israel, which is why he fulfilled Passover. He became the Passover lamb. From my limited understanding um, of Jewish kind of, uh, feasts and whatever, there's only one that is not yet fulfilled or, or two, um, which I can't remember what it is. But I mean, he fulfilled Pentecost. He fulfilled all these other ones. It's just he uh, has one left to fulfill, which is called... Israel, yeah. Are not yet fulfilled. Trumpets, tabernacles. Tabernacles is fulfilled, isn't it? God dwelling with us. I think it is. Anyway, we're not talking about Jewish festivals, but yeah. Anyway, um, so what what uh, it says here in Matthew is that, that it might be fulfilled okay so that means it's kind of coming to a completion it is this is this is that prophecy um which is happening it says that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses here it's translated sicknesses so um it's what it's referring back to is Isaiah 53 verse 4. And he's saying the fact that Jesus healed all is a fulfillment. Now we have this tension, right, that is because God is not in time. Jesus had not yet gone to the cross. But before the cross, people who received the benefit of the cross received it in faith, just as we also receive it in faith from after the cross. It's really hard to get, but it, it was still was dependent on the, the cross. But it, it, it's got something to do with God's timelessness. Um, so there's this kind of tension, but, but basically what it's saying is Jesus is the fulfillment of that. He was healing at that time, uh, yes, because he was God, but he was healing as man with faith. Uh, he, he, Jesus didn't have a special, he was a man. He was just a man. The only difference between man, between Jesus as a man and you and I as a man, or they as, they as men at that time, is he had a perfect spirit at that time, whereas other men didn't have a perfect spirit. They were not yet made new. So so he also healed by faith. And he also had to, you know, he just did it as a man. He didn't do it as a superhero God on earth looking like a man. So basically, that that is the healing. And, and the healing is all who were sick. So it wasn't a few. It wasn't those that couldn't afford to go to the doctor. It wasn't those who had especially difficult sicknesses. It wasn't those who had easy sicknesses. It wasn't, it wasn't, anything it was all and that it says was a fulfillment of of uh, the prophet isaiah 53 okay so um healings in the atonement is part of what jesus did on the cross and then it, this is referred to as well uh, in 1 peter 2 verse 24 so we read a bit of 1 peter last time when it was talking about that the cost of our atonement was the precious blood of Jesus. But then in, in 1 Peter 2, was talking about Jesus as, as well. Um, so verse 23, it's the end of chapter 2. It says, talking about Jesus, it said, Who... 
when he was reviled, did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. So he's talking about Jesus on the cross. And it says, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. So that's one of the things it says he, he bore our sin. I mean, it, um, Corinthians tells us he became sin for us. Uh, it's not just that he kind of took a little package of sin with him on the way to, uh, you know, deal deal with the justice uh, that was required to buy our freedom. He actually took it on himself. He became a sinful man uh, on our behalf, um, although he had never sinned. So he took it on his body because he, he took it away from our bodies. Um, so he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. So that's one of the things that he did at the crucifixion at atonement, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Two interesting thing is, first of all, it's, it has now gone to past tense. So Peter is after the cross. And he's saying, by his stripes, you were healed. And um, so that, again, is just... Um, quoting Isaiah 53. So those are the two references to Isaiah 53 in the New Testament, and they're both talking about the atonement. They're both talking about uh, what, what Jesus did and what he did in the flesh, and the fact that healing, when he, Jesus healed, was, was fulfillment of the atonement. It was, it was saying, this is what God is going to do for you. And then it says, just to finish the chapter, for you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So, um, basically, as far as I'm concerned, healing is part of the atonement. And that means that there was a transaction. And when Jesus went to the cross, there was a transaction. Now, I know there's a kind of cool thing at the moment to say that there's no there's no justice of God and that the cross was not an issue of justice. And as far as I'm concerned, it was absolutely, completely an issue of justice because God is just and justice is the foundation of his throne. And we, we are justified. We, we, there was a legal transaction at the cross. And as far as I'm concerned, how I understand that legal transaction is this very, very simply. And that is... The consequence of man's fall was that Satan took the authority that was <laughs> Satan took the authority that was ours because we were the ones who were to rule and reign, and Satan became the one that ruled and reigned on earth. And as a consequence of the decision that man made, man man had a spiritual death. However, you want to see that. The way I see that is man was spirit, body, soul, but the spirit part of man was no longer connected to God. It was no longer, yes, we were in the image of God and God had created us, but we, we no longer had that perfect spirit in us as a consequence of the fall. And because of that, we couldn't have eternal life. Because had we ever had eternal life, it would have been absolutely awful. So God kind of saved us. God's always, God's purpose for us has always been eternal life. It's always been, uh, and when I say I'm not talking about the eternal bit of it, I'm talking about the life bit of it. I mean, spirits live forever, whether you're living in life or living not in life. But, but we lost that life of God. We didn't lose God loving us. We didn't lose God's grace. We didn't even lose him talking to us. But we, we became a, a spirit that was not, not, not ha connected to life that didn't have the life of God flowing out of us. Um, which is why Jesus says, you know, uh, that there's going to be rivers of living water are going to flow out of you because we would get back the spirit of God because that's what we had lost. So, so uh, until Pentecost, there was just no more indwelling of the spirit of God. Man was, had a connection with God and God spoke, but we had lost that, um, inside bit that that was actually God. That's how I see it anyway. And the reason, um, one of the things that Jesus went to the cross for is because Satan legally owned us. We were, we were his sons. Uh, and, and that's not because 
all of us sin, but because Adam sinned and we, we just became um, identified with Adam. And as a consequence of that, we lived in the consequence of, of sin. And even if you were the most perfect, perfect person who never sinned, you, you still identified with this, with this sin and this fact that you're just, we're not, we're not connected to God in that way. And God couldn't give us eternal life in that state because we would have been forever in that state of destruction of darkness of and and so so as far as i'm concerned the the one of the biggest issues of the justice part of the cross is it is satan who had to be had to be dealt with because he had a legal right over us we were slaves to sin we were slaves and um I, I don't quite, I know there, there is an aspect of the issue of sin and, and, you know, paying the price of sin to God, but I, I don't really see it in those terms. The justice part of the cross, I see in terms of Satan, because, because God is really just, and he's actually just to Satan. Because had he cheated Satan, then God is not fair, he's not just. So had God, say, stolen us away, and just taken us and taken us out of the grip of Satan, and then God would have sinned in a, in a kind of way. So there was this kind of there had to be a payment. There had to be man had to be brought out of slavery. There had to be a, there was a redemption cost of that, and that is to the slave owner basically. Um, okay, I'm just talking about one part of. That, that, that there is more that happened in the transaction of the cross and the three days, okay? I, I'm just talking about this aspect of it. So Jesus became man because man has to pay for man's sin. God can't pay for man's sin. So Jesus became man and he was completely, fully man. The only thing he didn't have is he didn't have an earthly father because he had a heavenly father. So he had a recreated his spirit was connected to the spirit of God that was the only difference that he had um, but he in that state became sin and he 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 took on the sinfulness of man even in that state which is just really how you get how he actually did that I mean it's just unbelievable he'd lived in this place of complete love in the trinity of complete union with the father and with the spirit a complete kind of agreement and then suddenly he takes on sin and i don't believe god ever forsook him i don't believe when it says my god my god why did you have you forsaken me i don't believe god turned his face away from him but there was an element of that that disrupting the trinity in a kind of way if you can say that he he became sin and it was uh you know, it's it's not just he didn't take a bag of sin with him and it remained kind of you know, he 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 himself became sin and and I don't know I don't know the theology, I don't know whether he became a sinful you know, whether he lost it the same as sinful man did. I have no idea. I mean there are there are passages in the in the scripture that you can say, you know, that says, you know, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And there's people who say Jesus was born again. He got back his recreated spirit. It doesn't really matter. I don't really know that it affects us whether we receive healing or not. But, you know, it's just the fact that he he became sin and, and went down to hell and there was a transaction with Satan. Now, I don't believe demons tormented Jesus. I don't, I think he, you know, I don't, don't believe any of that, but I do believe there was a legal transaction and, and Satan was paid in full. And, um, Satan's laughing his head off in a way because he thinks here it is. I've got God in, in hell. He's paid in full and now he's my slave because I'm, you know, he's taken on the sin of everybody. And now Jesus is, that, that's, that's how it would look like. So, he, you know, he had kind of paid with his own blood and he'd taken our place and we were all free. And um, so the price was paid for our freedom and that price paid for our freedom included freedom from uh, sickness and disease, freedom from sin, freedom from poverty, freedom from the whole of the, uh, the, whole of the big deal of everything. Uh, and so he bore our freedom and that's where we get all these passages he became sin that we might become the righteousness of God and, and whatever 
the amazing thing is it didn't end there because even if it, if it had ended there, it's still fantastic, but it didn't end there because, because the power of God, Satan could not overcome the power of God. So when the justice was done, when it was all paid for and the whole deal paid for, well, then the power of God comes into play. And um, that's when Jesus, you know, he's not tormented by demons. He's like, right, that's it. And then Satan gets the whipping, you know, because, because he, the power of Satan couldn't hold the power of God. Uh, because, uh, you know, and that's why, you know, it's by the, the scriptures, you know, and by the power of God, Jesus was raised from the dead. At that time, don't know what happened. He preached to the souls in paradise in you know Hades whatever it was and gave them all a chance to believe and those that were you know had been in faith and those that I don't know but the all the old covenant saints everybody had a chance I mean everybody had got I think he there's an opportunity for all of them to to um hear and then so they also got saved by the cross don't get that either but they did and um and so then Jesus rises from the dead. And that's why it's such a significant thing. And that's why, um, you know, Colossians talks about making a public spectacle. Um, and, and basically, just read this bit of Colossians 2. Okay, it, it's very hard to start in Colossians 2 because you want to read the whole verse. But anyway... 13, let's start in 13. It says, And you, being dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. So that's, that's what we were. We were dead in, in trespasses and, and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Circumcision was a sign of the covenant. Now we don't get circumcised, but, but we, we, still have a, you know, we still have a covenant. And our covenant is, is this circumcision of the heart. It's a, it's a believing. It's a, it's a heart response to God. And he was made alive together. He, he was made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. Let me read that again. And you being dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of, the, of your flesh, he has made alive together with him. So he is alive and we are alive with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. So this is this kind of opportunity of life because he's risen. And it says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. So there was this requirements against us. You know, you've sinned. This is the payment. You've done this. This is the payment. So, so there was, this is another aspect of the atonement. There was this requirement against us. We, we had a price to pay for our own sin. And, um, and he's, he's dealt with it and wiped it out. So that there isn't a price to pay for our own sin. There's nothing. We, we don't owe God anything at all it's it's wiped out um which so he wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us which was contrary to us it was it was awful you know we, it, we, it was absolutely hopeless and he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross okay and then it says having disarmed principalities and powers he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it and in it is the cross so basically, once Jesus had done the deal of the the justice bit of our salvation and paying the price and all the other stuff that he did, um, I, I, I don't know. It does talk about him being a propitiation, which is to satisfy the wrath of a of a God. I, I think he did do that. I know people don't agree with that, but I think there's in my understanding of Scripture, he, it does say he was a propitiation. I think God is angry about sin. I think there has been a wrath about sin. I mean, we don't like it because we don't quite understand that. But I think if you were, uh, if you were a, if you were a parent and your child was, you know, murdered, and the guy who did it was caught red-handed and went to went to um, court, and the judge says. Yes, guilty, but I'm just a merciful judge, so let off, you're free. I think we'd be quite, you know, we would have this issue of justice about us. And I think that is part of the heart of God. Not because God hates us because we've sinned. He hates sin. He, he hates what it does to his beloved 
children. He, 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 he hates the whole system of darkness. And I think there is a judgment on that. That's not a personal judgment on me because I've sinned, but I think that there is a wrath of God, which has now been satisfied in Jesus. But there was that aspect of, of satisfying that, that wrath of sin. Now, I understand that people have difficulty with that, and I'm not claiming to have any, you know, absolute, you know, complete knowledge of that. But what I'm saying is there was a lot done at the cross, and one of the things was he was a propitiation. It's part of his mercy. Propitiation. It's the same word as mercy seat. Hi. So, um, anyway, what I'm saying is there was a real whole big done, big thing done at the atonement, at this transaction of Jesus dying and being, ro- rising again. And one of the things he did was made a public spectacle of every. Satan, demon, power, principality. And basically what that means is it's like a victory parade. And, and I think what they used to do, I don't know if it's the Romans, but, you know, if they'd been out and won a battle and caught prisoners, then they would parade them through the gate of the city uh, and have this victory parade. And that's referring to this public spectacle. So basically, because the power of, of God, Satan couldn't withstand the power of God. They couldn't keep. Jesus down in hell because having done everything, God is just more powerful and it's by the power of God that Jesus was raised from the dead. And in that, Satan just got a real whipping. Now, he didn't get put in, you know, he didn't get, he he wasn't bound up in chains. He still had some, he's still, you know, there uh, and he's not completely uh, having no effect, but he's disarmed and he's made a public spectacle and Jesus has triumphed over him. And um, uh, uh, and that's because he rose from the dead. If Jesus was still in hell now, you know, with Satan laughing around him, we, we would be in a lot of trouble. We would have our sins forgiven, but we wouldn't yet have eternal life because Jesus said, I have to go up to the Father before you can get the Spirit of God before you can receive the spirit. And the reason he had to do that is because um, he had to go and cleanse the heavens. He had to do whatever he did in the heaven. I I wish I could understand it. But, you know, Hebrew said he took his own blood up into the heavens and cleansed the temple of heaven with his blood. And and it, it was complete. The point of the matter is it was complete. Jesus completely, absolutely did everything. So, so there's nothing left to do in that respect. There isn't a sin that is outstanding. There isn't a sickness that is outstanding. There isn't an uncleanness that is outstanding. Because he couldn't do that. He had to deal with it completely before he then enabled us to become new creation beings. Because if he hadn't done that, we'd be in this horrible mix of having darkness eternally and you know it would have been absolutely awful we we would be awful to have eternal you know sinfulness forever i mean it's so he did a real complete utter work and it is really all finished and you might wonder why i'm going on about this when it comes to healing but it's a real big deal part of healing because we we get so confused about healing uh and and i would never say nobody would ever say uh, oh, I'm doing this sin because God's teaching me a lesson through this sin. Because we think, that's ridiculous. God dealt with sin. God, God went to the cross for sin so that we wouldn't have to live in sin anymore. And yet we really happily say, oh, God gave me this sickness to teach me a lesson. Not understanding that it's, it's just the same abhorrence that we should use to say, God dealt with sickness so that we don't have to live in sickness. So, so why why would he? It's just absolutely contradictory to everything that he has completely and utterly dealt with. So he, he's 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 done it. He's disarmed them. He's he's raised from the dead. And you know it's just awesome the fact that a man who carried the sinfulness and the sin of the whole world and paid that whole thing. And if you want to, you know, it, it's he overpaid it. I mean, uh, there's a passage in Isaiah that says, you know, I'll pay double for your sins. So he overpaid it. He, there's no, you know, there's an overpayment on our behalf. And um, 
And then having done all of that, he didn't cheat Satan and, you know, God came down and it, it was finished. Satan then couldn't hold him because the, the power of sin couldn't, couldn't hold God and the power of Satan couldn't hold God. So he, he rose from the dead and did what he had to do. And um, that's why Mary couldn't touch him because he hadn't yet gone up to heaven. And, and um, so he, he became our high priest. He did the thing of the high priest in heaven and he is now our high priest. And, um, and it's awesome. And that is what, what we stand on for, healing. Now, I, I know as well as you do, you know, if I've got the flu or if I've got whatever, it's really easy to kind of look at what you've seen and live in the reality of that and think, I don't, I don't get it. You know, it, it would just be great if we lived happily ever after. And, you know, never had to deal with any sickness or any disease. And, um, but we don't live happily ever after with sin. We still deal with the issue of sin. And we can still sin as new creation human beings. We can still do that. So, so in some ways, it's, it shouldn't cause us any more problem that we get sick than it does that we sin. Because it's, it's just the same it's the same deal as yet we do not yet have recreated bodies. We, we have a recreated spirit. We have been made perfect in the spirit, but we are not yet made perfect in the body. But I think there's lots of promises for our healing. That means we can be perfect in our body on earth and we can, um, we can receive healing for our body because this is talking about healing. It's not talking about a perfect body. Yeah. So Jesus provided for our healing, which means we can get sick and need healing. If we never needed healing, he wouldn't have to provide for our healing. He would just, um, you know, it would say, by my stripes, you are made into a perfect body. He wouldn't say you are healed. So, so in this time frame, at the moment that we're living in, um, we need healing. And yes, that's spiritual healing, but it is also physical healing. And physical healing has been completely, utterly paid for at the cross on Jesus' body. And Satan has been trampled underfoot regarding our sickness and our disease. He's made a public spectacle. Yes, he has a certain amount of power still. Um, obviously, he has a certain amount of power because look at life around us. That's not God doing that. Uh, it is because there is still, we are in this tension of, of we're not all living in the kingdom of, of light. We're not all living in the kingdom of God. And, and even those of us who are living in the kingdom of God are not yet living in the fullness. We, we still don't, you know, we, we still are not completely renewed in our mind. We're not completely living in the fullness. And so, and so you know, there is this still, we are still in this time where we can be deceived. We can be, you know, we can listen to lies. We can live in the consequence of lies. We can live in the consequence of sin. And, um, and sometimes the consequence of sin can be sickness. And we talked about that, that last time. Sometimes the consequence of just not living a great life can result in sickness. You know, if you want to eat McDonald's three times a day for the rest of your life and smoke 60 cigarettes a day, going to be sick it might not be a demon it might not be sin although that probably technically is not living in the fullness of who you are so there's a natural element that will cause sickness and there is there is sin that can cause sickness and uh, uh, and you know that sickness can can happen but i would say that we have loads and loads of promises for us that um first of all we don't have to get sick i don't believe that it's part of the kingdom of light our life is on earth as it is in heaven. So I don't believe there's sickness in heaven any more than I believe there's sin in heaven. So, so my ideal for my life is I, I'm not going to accept that sickness is just part of inevitable my life. I'm going to say, well, my promise is on earth as it is in heaven. There's a tension in that, and that tension has got something to do with this word we call faith. It has to do with trusting it has to do with living in the unseen and not in the seen it has sometimes to do with patience it has you know which we don't like to think about at all but you know it says you know by, by patience you receive the promise and 
And I, I don't get that because Jesus didn't say to anybody, I'll lay hands on you and, you know, be patient, you'll get healed. They just got healed. And um, so, so the, there is this tension, but my stance is we are already healed. So there's absolutely no point in praying for healing in that respect. From point of view of I'm sitting here and God's sitting there and I have to persuade God that somehow he has to do something. Throw down a thunderbolt, change his mind, um, pour healing out of heaven. Because he can't actually really do anything else. Now, I'm not saying there isn't, there isn't an interaction that God does. He does interact with us. He can talk to us. He can encourage us. He can comfort us. He can give us wisdom. There's loads of things that our interaction with God can help us to receive healing. But I don't believe that ever we pray to twist God's arm for him to do something that is going to cause us to be healed, that if he didn't do, we couldn't be healed. Because he's done it. It's done. It's complete. Every single sickness and disease that ever was and ever will be is on his body and has been dealt for and paid for. And, and he's made a public spectacle of it. it didn't, that sickness didn't hold him down in hell. And he's still down in hell kind of with that terrible sickness because he, he hasn't got enough power for that sickness. So, so it really changed the way that I pray for healing because sometimes our prayer actually is just expressing unbelief. And, um, and if we express unbelief, we partner with it and agree with it. And then we, we kind of, we, we have this tension of of. of faith and unbelief and uh, you know I'd like to talk about that maybe maybe next time but so this is it I don't believe we have to be sick although I do think well there's loads of people I mean you listen to Andrew Womack he would say he's not been sick for 40 over years and he would describe two episodes where it was self-inflicted so like loads and loads of traveling not getting any rest doing too much work whatever and then for one day had to lie in bed with the flu but then got up and so so he would say and and there's a number of testimonies of people and I do think as much as you it seems as much as you believe that is as much as you get it um and um I'm not saying that to bring any condemnation but I'm very sure that if you just believe it's inevitable it's flu season and I'm going to get flu well chances are you're probably going to get flu uh, if you believe it's flu season and I'm not going to get flu, you know you might get flu. And if you do get flu, it's not. There's no condemnation in that. But it's like, do you know what I mean? If you, if if your belief system is just, yeah, hey, this is life. We're all going to get sick. We're all going to get old, and we're all going to whatever. Then I can just about 100% guarantee that's probably what you're going to get. You're not likely to live a really healthy whole life if your expectation and belief system is you know, sickness is inevitable and I'm just as vulnerable as everybody else. I'd love to tell you that if you absolutely believe that Jesus is the healer and you don't ever want to go to the doctor and you, you know, you declare and shout and scream and worship and pray 24 hours a day, I'd love to tell you that by living that lifestyle, you never get sick. Okay. But that's, that's not the truth either. So I just think we can't make a science of it. We cannot, and, and, and I don't think any one of us can ever get to the point where we say, well, this is this, and this is this, and this is that. And that is coming from me, who is often accused of being very black and white, okay? So um, it's, it, we, we can't get, we cannot get it. But my stance is, I'm not going to change this, okay? And that's why I keep on, on and on and on saying, this is what the Bible says, this is what the Bible says, this is the stance for what I believe, what I believe is not yet completely manifest in my body. The same as what I believe about sin is not completely manifest in my body because I still do sin, but I believe I am completely righteous and God has completely dealt with the issue of sin in my life. And, and, and sometimes it's just a consequence that we are living in this world and this world is, is, is not yet uh, either completely ruled by sons of God who are only doing the will of God, in which case, you know, the sons of God will be revealed and things will 
will be back. I'm doing my part, guys. Well, exactly. <laughs> But actually, that's a really serious point when we come to <laughs> Chris. Is it Chris's fault? <laughs> so, so what really bothers me about the extreme of really trusting God for healing is the condemnation it can bring to people who are sick. And the last thing Jesus ever did with the sick is bring condemnation. And, and it's really, but, but I can't change my theology because somebody is sick. Because we'll never see healing if we change our theology, I would say. Because if we start to shift our theology and say, oh, well, uh, it's spiritual healing and it's not until we get to heaven that we're going to get healed. We're not going to see healing. We're just never going to get to that point where our faith that God has given us, that is his faith, kind of draws down the reality of what is already ours into manifestation in our, in our physical body. And, um, and so that's what I believe. And I'm not going to change, you know, this fundamental issue of healing is absolutely completely settled at the cross. And that's the end of that. It's God's intention to heal. It's his will to heal. It's his purpose to heal. He, he, he doesn't enjoy sickness in any of our bodies because we're his absolute beloved creations that he's, you know, he's created and he loves. And, and I mean, for us, for all of us who, you know, whether we're sick or not, I, I mean, you look at someone like Paula Jane and you think, you know, that is a real challenge, you know. I, I admire her every day because... There is your body expressing kind of sickness, expressing, well, did God create me like this? Does he love me like this? And why doesn't he? And you think, you know, this is not an easy thing, you know. It really isn't an easy thing. And, and sometimes if we make it an easy thing, then we just dismiss people and we make it really hard for those that are. And yet, you know, I admire, you know, her and loads of people, Dave, and those of us who are sick and you can't see the sickness. Because there's this tension of saying, I know who God is and I'm not going to change who God is because my experience is, is not, is contradicting that. Uh, and yet I'm not going to change who God is either. I'm not going to say, I'm just saying we are living in this tension. And, and as far as I'm concerned, it's my job. It's my responsibility. It's part of me ruling and reigning as a son of God to do whatever I can do to see see healing come because for sure if we all decide eh, forget about it it's too complicated you know christians are born with disease you know get disabled kids the same as you know and we all get into this whatever it's all awful we're never going to see healing we're never we're never going to so so you have to do something in your thinking and keep close into god on these issues i would say And I don't let my mind go too far down the line of, but what about X and what about Y and what about this? Because for me, that leads to unbelief. And what I mean by unbelief is I start wavering on the truth of, does God, did God really heal all of us? Oh, maybe, maybe it is better that she's sick because, um, you know, when she's sick, she comes to church every week. And uh, if she wasn't sick, she wouldn't come to church. We ourselves can start thinking that maybe whatever. And I think I, I can't allow my thinking to go anywhere else. My thinking is, I'm pretty convinced by scripture. God's will is healing because healing was never a part of his, uh, sickness was never a part of his, his creation. It was never part of his plan for us. He didn't put sickness and disease into his creation for some kind of sick joke or whatever. It, it was part of the corruption of, of the fact that man became disconnected with the spirit of God and, and the kingdom of darkness began to rule and reign. And, um, and so we, we live in this truth of this unseen, of keeping our focus on the heavenly realm of the reality of our life and, and work together <laughs> to keep in faith, to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to learn more, And to keep on going. And it's really easy to give up on healing. It's really, really, really easy. Much easier to say, you know what? I'm just going to live with this. You know what? It's just who I am. Um, but we can do that with our, with our sin as well. You know, we can say, oh, it's just who I am. And, and then you're living who you 
who you are and that's fine you know it's it's fine you're completely loved and accepted and whatever but when a few months ago and I was uh, preaching on healing before you guys got here you do a poll of the church and ask who wants to see more healing everybody puts their hand up we all want to see more healing and um, nobody wants to say, you know what, nah, let's just stay, you know, let's just stay with all of this. Nobody wants to. So the point of what I'm saying is we have a heart, which is part of the heart of God, because we want to see healing and wholeness. And there is a real um, uh, coming against us. There is a real assault on us because it's actually healing is ours for the nations. We are actually the ones that are supposed to bring healing to the nations. And I'm not about talking about, you know, waving flags in a prayer meeting and, you know, hoping something happens in the, you know, powers and principalities. I'm talking about people's cancers dropping off them. That's healing in the nations. You know, it's, it's, it's those, those things. And, and that is for us to do. That is our commission. We're to go heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, raise the dead. And um, it's, it's just part of our job description. And I think the church has really, really lost it. Partly because of wrong teaching and wrong understanding, and um, and partly because we've been overwhelmed by sickness and disease, and and Satan wins, and and it's 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 like I'm not going to let him win. Even if I'm sick, I'm not going to let him him win, because um, but we, we we can get very passive when it comes to sickness, and and it's really easy. I mean, if you feel sick. Or, you know, you've got pain. It doesn't take very long before you become very passive because it just is hard. Seems like hard work. And I think part of our receiving healing is just just determining to remain in this place where I am not going to waver. I am not going to waver from declaring that God is the healer. I'm not going to waver from declaring he's done it at the cross and it's finished. I'm not going to waver from declaring it is his will and, and not only his will, but he's paid for it already. I, I'm not going to waver in any way of thinking, oh, well, that's uh, a thorn in the flesh or, 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 you know, well, we're just human beings or, or whatever it is. Because if I waver, I, I'm definitely not going to see healing come. If I don't waver, well, I might not see healing either, to be honest. But I'm sure I will, and I'm sure the more we, you know, the, James says, you know, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, and, and we know that. Um, you know, it's like when there's this, it, there, is a, there is a tension when you're praying for people, and, and I mean, it's, sometimes you can't understand it. Sometimes you come into church and it's like, oh, I've got no faith, I've had a terrible day, and somebody says, can you pray for this? And you think, oh, Jesus, you know, and you're like, I'm a failure. And then they say, hey, it's better, and you think, well, that wasn't a woman full of faith and, and power in that way. And, and, and so it, it's not about us working up, you know, being perfect and whatever. But um, it, it's just about this is who my God is. And I am going to stand on that. And I'm, I'm just not going to allow wavering. And, and, and it, it's not about me. It's not about my great faith. It's not about anything like that. But it is about me remaining and honestly, that's our warfare. We are in a battle, but our, the, our battle is to stand. And, and that's it. We rest and we remain. And, and part of where we rest and remain is, is what is our knowledge of who our God is. And, um, and that's why we live by what is, not by what is seen, by what is unseen. Because we don't always see it. And, um, and, 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 and the whole issue of, you know, if people are not healed, not getting not getting, you know, uh, wobbled by that. And, I mean, that put me off praying for people for years. What are they going to think of me? You know, I say, I mean, when I was a doctor, I didn't want to pray for anybody because what are they going to think of me? You know, I'm here saying uh, Jesus can heal you. First of all, I'm being a doctor, which kind of suggests that I don't believe Jesus is really going to heal you anyway. And um, <laughs> and uh, and then what are they going to think of me if they don't heal? And, and, and we have this tension when we're praying for people. Because, I mean, it, it's just such a battle sometimes. And this is the, this is the war. This is the, this is the, the um, this is the, the what, do, what do you call it? The fight of faith. You know, Paul talked about fight of faith. Again, 
very uncool in our gray circles to talk about our fight of faith, but we are in a massive fight of faith. You don't fight that faith by, you know, getting a pretend sword and waving it at the devil and stamping around the room and fasting, you know, 60. That's not the fight of faith. We have done that. Uh, It's not being right and being perfect and coming into church floating on a cloud and having had the perfect day. That is not a fight of faith. The fight of faith is, if you ask me to pray for you and you have got a big tumor on your body, I'm just not going to look at that big tumor and get intimidated by it. I'm not going to, for me, start thinking about, you know, well, you've only got six months to live and blah de blah de blah de blah You know, these are the complications. This is what's going to happen. And if God doesn't heal you today, I'm not going to do that anymore. But there is a fight of our faith. And that whole fight of faith is when you're out there or in here praying for the sick, you know, there's Unless I am an unusual human being, there is probably a massive ding-dong-ding going on in your head, which might be any one of things. Who do you think you are? If you've got power to heal the sick, you did this yesterday, you did that the other day, you think you've got power to heal the sick, look at the state of that disease. If, you, if they don't get healed, they're going to die, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I don't know, does anyone else have a battle in the head? I know Chris does sometimes. <laughs> And that's the fight of faith, only because you said it last time. But, I mean, it is, isn't it? And that is our standing in, in faith. It's not, it's not any of the other stuff. It's just like, I am going to stand here, and God, you are God, and you are who you say you are, and I am kind of irrelevant in this whole deal. Irrelevant in my holiness and irrelevant in my unholiness. This has got nothing to do with me. This has only got to do with you. And you asked me to lay hands on the sick and see them healed and trust in you. And knowing that the one thing that is going to pretty much guarantee that healing is not going to come is unbelief. And um, we, we'll look at that as well because that's the one thing Jesus said. And that's why, you know, that's why he, he, he said, you know, who was talking about? Were you talking about the woman with the issue of blood? Yeah, it was you. Um Irving, somebody. Oh, was it Irving on Sunday? You know, the centurion, the the leader of the synagogue comes and, you know, his daughter's dying and then he gets distracted by the the woman who touches him and, and, um, you know, they come to the leader of the synagogue and say, don't bother the master, the teacher anymore. She's dead already. It's too late. And and you can see, you know, all of this. Jesus isn't phased by that. Jesus doesn't go, ah, I knew I shouldn't have have prayed for her. I've lost and missed it again. I mean, Jesus is just like, it's dead or alive. It's just got, makes no difference. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't wobble. (laughs) He doesn't wobble. He doesn't say, oh God, sorry, I missed it today. I'll try better tomorrow. It's not, it's not like that. It's like, it doesn't matter. But what he does is he turns to the guy and says, only believe. So even Jesus is like, he knows the state of man. And the only thing really that he says to people is just believe, just believe. And, um, and so, so we do have this whole issue of unbelief. And, and one of my kind of um, beliefs is the more you know this word, this word is living and powerful and it has an effect on us. And the more you read it, the more something happens in your spirit man that prevents you wobbling so much. And I can't explain that. It's not because if you've read it 20 times, God has a big chart in heaven and it's like, oh, wonderful, 20 uh, times tick, so you get a bit more. It's not that. It's not, God is not bothered in one way, whether you read the Bible or don't read the Bible. I, I, I have to say, honestly, I've never in my whole Christian life had a quiet time okay i've never managed to do it i wish i could i'd love to uh maybe one day i will that's not to say i don't read my bible and know it so so it's it's not about that it's about valuing what it is and understanding that the more you read it the more you you know go back and say hey he's made us alive together with him he's forgiven all our trespasses he's written you know the the, the handwriting of requirements that was against us and contrary to us has been wiped away, it does something in us that prevents us, that keeps us more stable, which is why, um, you know, the, the, the parable where Jesus talks about the house that is built on the sand and the rock 
It's talking about my sayings. It's about what I'm teaching you. And the more you build your life on that, uh, then you, the, the more stable you become and the less you're going to be you know, washed away when the storm comes. The storm might be standing in front of somebody who wants you to pray for them and you know, their legs hanging off and you're thinking, uh, who, who am I? But if you kind of grounded and persuading yourself daily, and, and, and you, I, I go back often and persuade myself again. Because I can often, you know, you can often just, it's just one thought away. And one thought can lead you a long way away in just a few minutes, really. Thank you for listening to the I Destiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.